0: Welcome to ArpiMi. This is Saratova Best. Um, we are. We started the Bayeshiv. Speaking about becoming an influencer, how to become an influencer? Um, which well, you listened to yesterday's recording. How to become an influencer? So, uh, so here's the, here here is what we're going to focus on today. The transformation we have reasons, and that's in yesterday's recording why we're sent as the Jewish people all around the world to um why why we're spread out among all the nations we you know we have to see what's wrong and make it right we have to see what's ungodly and make it godly that's that's what that's what we're here to do, which we explained that's what makes us kind of always notice what's wrong <laughs> what's wrong because our Our job, our job is to, to, so, so the transformation, what we're going to see today is the transformation from gullus to Gullah, this transformation from an ungodly world that needs fixing to a godly world that, that, that is, is holy, that finally got there and it's been all through the generations, comes through France. Comes through France and it's a very uh, this transformation of Galus to Gula comes through France. It's a very it's a very big revolution, the French spiritual revolution. So we're going to look into it a bit, and then again we're going to ask ourselves where are we up to, what's going on, how are we a part of it? I'm you know we we are influencers, we create an environment, as it says in one of the Yum uh, Yums, Chassid creates an environment, the Yid creates an environment wherever we go we create. So what is this thing with France? So it's based on a Pussek in, in Tanakh that says in the uh, Ovadia, I think. I think it's Ovadia. Oh. This Golas that goes all for the Jewish people, that goes all the way from Araya Negev all the way Ad Sarfat to France. Remember, you were talking about if this, this nubby that was said, this piece of Tanakh was said a few thousand years ago. And really already, He's prophesizing. He's saying the Gullahs will begin, you know, with Arya Negev, and it goes all the way to France, which means that France is kind of the end, the last, the outer limits of Gullah, the absolute outer limits of Gullah. So, it's 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 the it's it's the lowest of the low. Spiritually, it was the lowest of the low. So the lowest, the lowest of the low would then have to be transformed to the highest of the highs. That is the process. That is why are we sent among the nations to take the lowest of the low and make it into the highest of the highs. It all has that potential. So that comes through France. And as it says, the Jewish people will inherit the Arya um, Negev, the plains, I guess, the mountains of, uh, or the plains of Negev. And then... Um, Moshim, the, uh, who are the Moshim? The deliverers, okay, will go up to Har La. the deliverers will go, it sounds better, in, in English it doesn't sound too good, it sounds like the mailman. Le deliverer sounds a lot better, if you could do the thing. So, and they will go up to Hartseon to judge Har sub and the whole Malucha will belong to Hashem. In other words, Esav and Yaakov are in this relationship. Esav, uh, Yaakov is on the page of Hashem, and Esav is on the other page. And our job is to transform Esav to be on the page of Hashem, on the same page with us, to the point that the whole Malucha, the whole leadership, the whole mouth of Hashem will be recognized by every single person. So here's the question: the question is why the Navi is speaking about galus and geula, and connecting it to France. I mean, it, it's very strange. And you're also talking about, um, you know, didn't having been sent there. But but but, what does it have to do with geula? That's going to be a very long time from now. So the answer is that sorfus, this name sorfus, and the energy of sorfus, is is denoting that the complete purification of the world by Hashem Hamlucha will be done through the purification of surface, in surface, in France, and through France. Now, obviously, it was pretty bad. So let's go back to the French Revolution that I had to do in fifth grade, the five causes of the French Revolution. So whatever they were, I copied them from the encyclopedia Uh, in those days. I don't remember what they were, but you can imagine. Well, let's look at what the people in the French Revolution were saying, The, the The French people said, "We don't want the king and the queen anymore. We're going to get rid of them, because of course when they went to Marie Antoinette and they had complaints, she was the queen, and they said, I think it was Louis the Fourteenth, and then it went to Louis the Fifteenth and Louis the Sixteenth. They complained to the queen. You know the people don't have bread. So Chacham Gagol, you know, in her ivory tower, she said, let them eat cakes. Mazel Tov, brilliant answer." So they – well, she wasn't heartless, she was just out of it, out of it. Lack of cognitive thinking, a precursor to America today. So lack of cognitive thinking, they're very out of it. So they realize, well, such a king and queen, it helps like a titan bond just to have such a king and queen, let's get rid of them. And so the point is that get rid of the king and the queen, that, why not? That's a good idea. But what was the real issue? Spiritually, they didn't want to just get rid of a corrupt king and queen. They were very corrupt. That's a good idea. The problem was they wanted to get rid of malchus above. We just said, in the end, when we finish our job, the, it will be that the entire world will belong to the Malucha. The kingship will belong to Hashem. And the entire world will acknowledge this. And here comes 1789, the French Revolution, and they say, let's get get rid of Malchus. Now, wait a minute. If you get rid of Malchus, so what about Melech Mashiach? Well, okay, so, you know, that's what, what are you going to do? Right, when you think of it, when they're attacking Malchus, it's like the smart bomb or whatever it is. These substances that, you know, I remember in the early days when they said, you know, dirt devil, dirt devil, what is a vacuum cleaner? Let's say there's a detergent called dirt devil. So it looks for grease stains and it looks for a certain thing and it attacks every single one of those little grease stains. Yeah. The dirt devil or the, or, you know, dirt, uh, dirt remover. It attacks, it finds every single one of them and gets rid of every single one. So when the French people are coming along and saying, wait a minute, hmm, as if to say, the klippah that was embedded in them said, you know, that in order for the whole world to come to Mashiach, Melucha Mashiach is part of this Malucha, and Hashem has Melech on the entire world. This is Malucha. And the whole world will come to a place where no more darkness, no more evil. Not good for us. The dark forces said not good for us. So let's go embed ourselves in the French people and convince them that we don't want Malucha. We don't want Malchus. But then it attacked every piece. That means what will be with Melach Mashiach, also not, and what will be with the the, the Malchus of Hashem, also not. It was one package. That was the problem, and it seems like only the Alter Rebbe saw that very very clearly, because everybody else wanted Napoleon to win. We'll talk about Napoleon in a second. Every Jewish leader wanted Napoleon to win, because. He made campaign promises. I'll give the the, the Yiddin had a very very difficult life. Uh, all the things that were going on, very you know, antisemitism, this that, very poor. And Napoleon said, "Then you vote for me, their law. Then I give you their, the the riches, their law, and the, the money and the everything, their law." So that's what he said, right? So so every single Jewish leader said, Napoleon is running. He wasn't even running for office. He just took over. We want Napoleon. Napoleon was in office. We want Napoleon to win because there was a fight. Who's going to win? Alexander, is it going to be, is Russia going to win or is France going to win? What does that mean? At some point, Russia said, uh, sorry, at some point, France became so, with its dark, evil energy embedded in it, said, we're going to conquer the world. Now, let's go back for a second. If the dark evil energy God did, conquers the world, they have the opposite intentions of the Jewish people. We all wait. No, they have the same intentions. We want to conquer the world. Why? Hashem told us. They want to conquer the world. What's the difference? Huh? You see? How are we any better than Napoleon or than the French army or the How are we any better? Cause when we want to conquer the world, we do it for Hashem, to make it Hashem's world, not our world, Hashem's world. Who's telling us? Otherwise, to tell you the truth, we would be kind of too lazy. It's a lot of work to conquer the world. I'd rather stay home and, you know, eat croissant or something like that. Ah, give us. Napoleon. Napoleons. We'll eat Napoleons. We'll eat Napoleons. We'll eat cake. That's probably why they call it. It's a lot of work to conquer the world. So therefore our, our desire to conquer the world, we're doing this simply because Hashem said to do it. It's much easier to stay home and, and, and do self care. It's too hard to go out and conquer the world, but Hashem said, this is what you were created and sent into the world to do. Six. That's, that's it. Therefore, I need you to do it. So we look like we were doing the same thing as Napoleon, only when Napoleon said we're going to conquer the world, he meant himself himself as the embodiment of ultimate evil and when we're told by hashem hashem means us as the embodiment of him hashem hashem you know small difference it's the whole difference who do you mean when you're saying we will conquer the world we mean hashem he means himself and himself was very evil so why was one of the for Napoleon. So, so, right. So all the Jewish leaders said, we want Napoleon to win because Napoleon said, I will give wealth and I, I will give a, um, uh, what's the word? The Gashmius, in a practical way, a good life to the Jewish people who have been poor and downtrodden and all kinds of problems and, uh, you know, no good jobs and no positions of honor. I'll, I'm, it's all going to turn around. They will have honor and wealth and good positions and all that stuff. So every Jewish leader said, let's go for Napoleon vote you know vote as it says vote for base so the al-zareba was the only one we'll see in a second the al was the only one that said imienesech base te, okay bonaparte base if base will win that's a bonaparte you're be about be there will be wealth finally that will that will blossom among the jewish people and they will be powerful but their hearts will become distant from Hashem, from their Father in Heaven. If they win. And then, if Aleph wins, Alexander, the Russian, the Tsar, so then, even though they will continue to be poor, and downtrodden and all that, but their hearts will be strongly connected to their Father in Heaven. Now, here's the question: How long can we, as the Jewish people, if we were sent into the world to bring the 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 Malucha, the kingship of Hashem in the whole world, how how long, how many years do you think we'll be doing well with? Well, I have a lot of money, but I actually am distant from Hashem. It's not going to work. It's not what we were sent here to do. There are other people who were sent here to do that. So it was very clear to the Alter very. You see how the Alter Rebbe and his whole, and his, and his giving us access to Pnei Satara is very simplistic. It's very, very simplistic. Okay, so getting back to this idea about um, if, if Aleph wins, if Beis wins, we will be disconnected from, from Hashem but we'll be wealthy, and we'll have a good life, Begashmias, for some amount of time, until it all falls apart. And if Aleph wins, Alexander, Alexander was not exactly a tzaddik. You know, the Russian czar, he was not exactly the nicest, sweetest guy that was going to give us what we needed to have a nice life. He was basically saying, the Al-Qurabba said, it's not true that life will be difficult, Begashmias, but we'll be connected to our Father in Heaven. Now, Which one should we choose? Oh, so I was saying, the author gave us access to Pneumis at in a way that he teaches us to think like a small child. Very simple, 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 a simple, small child, no deep, sophisticated thinking, a simple, small child, because a simple, small child would do basic math. A simple, small child would say, a five-year-old would say, wait a minute. So we were just told that our role in this world is to is to make the whole world into a holy place get the whole world to be connected to our father in heaven that's what we're here for and now you're telling me that somebody's going to give us a lot of money but we won't be doing that anymore but but if that's what we're here for how will having a lot of money help if we're not doing what we were sent to do that's so simple for a child so why would we want to vote for the person who says Pick me, pick me. I will disconnect you from Hashem and from your role in life and your, your shlichus in life. Pick me, pick me. So a small child would say, I wonder what these adults are thinking that they would, it, it seems so, you know, and you often see that with small children. It's so clear to them. and It's so simple. They wonder how sophisticated older people are not sort of copying it. So that's the way the author thinks, I think, I believe, and teaches us to think. Very, you know, what does Cyrus say? What does Cyrus say? Basic Taira, what does Taira say? You are here to bring the world to accept the malsas of Hashem. Probably not going to work if you yourself don't accept the malsas of Hashem or you forgot that that's what you're here to do. Great. So the question is, so that's why the author was the only one who stood behind this, uh, defeating Napoleon. And of course, we know the project was of The French army, Napoleon was very, you know, we said, he wants to conquer the world. So he went into Russia with, as I read in a history book somewhere, 600,000 um, um, soldiers, note the number. And he figured, if I conquer Russia, it's a big place, I will have a big chunk of the world. But the al said, no, 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 not going to work. So therefore, we know what happened. Napoleon was counting on where's everybody going to stay as they're heading to Moscow? They're going to stay in hotels? No, they're going to uh, stay in people's homes that didn't invite them. Let's put it that way. <laughs> along the way, and what are they going to eat? They'll eat the food that people are growing in the fields that people didn't offer them. I mean, right? Isn't that what Khalifa does? It takes what doesn't belong to us to it. And even though God forbid, you know, that's the Taina, you know, the Zionist. We take what doesn't belong to us. Yidden only take what belongs to them, which happens to be the entire world. <laughs> the world belongs to us, so we 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 were instructed by Hashem, take it because when you take it, it's not for you; it's for me. It's for me. So the reason that France got this job is because France had embedded in it a klipa. It was takeh haklipa vadin hakasha this is leafless, release muscle the clippa that was embedded in France said My strength gave me what I have now. You see that I have a nice car. You know why I have a nice car? I have a nice car because I worked very hard all my life to to get the money to have this nice car. That's why I have it. You see that I wrote a nice article. You know why I wrote how I wrote a nice article? Because I uh, worked on my writing skills so that I could write good articles. So that's fine for everybody else. For us, poison. In fact, it's really not even fine for everybody else. Our job is to get everybody else to say, you think you did it? Oh, disgusting. What's wrong with you? So the whole world should recoil at the idea that I think I did it. I think that my talents are because I worked on my talents. I think that my abilities, my this, my that, my gifts, my brachas, that's from me. Our job is to get the whole world to say, it's not from me, it's from Hashem. You know, like a um, rabbi in Minnesota, Rabbi Feller said, you know, he would sit in a taxi and he would say, you know, you have to do shlichus. So he said, he would say to the taxi driver, how are you today? And the taxi driver would say, fine, thank you. And Rabbi Sully would say, don't thank me, thank God. Very dramatic. It's very nice. Don't thank me, thank God. So Napoleon said, no, 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 no. We don't thank God, we thank me. But he had somebody to learn from. Who did Napoleon probably learn from? The guy a few thousand years before. And before that? Who's the guy who said, I created the world? Oh, Paro. Paro, same guy. He just keeps coming back. He has a bunch of cousins, <laughs> nephews, whatever it is. And then he just keeps coming back. He said, I'm the one who created the world from – when they asked Paro, Paro said, who's telling you that I should let the Jewish people go? They said, Hashem. He said, let me look in my book of God. I, I don't know who you're talking about. And they said, Hashem created the world. He said, what it talking about? I created the world. I created myself from the River Nile, and I created the world. So this is an old story that it goes through all of history, and it actually has the ability to, God forbid, embed itself in us, especially in this generation, because we know the Nasi Adar is filling us with so many Kaisas. We really I, – I, I mean, I'm going to say it, it – I think the recording is on – I think that if we saw ourselves minus, God forbid, God forbid, minus all the brachas that are being pumped into us, we would say, if we saw ourselves like raw, uh, with, without all the brachas surrounding us, we'd be shocked. I think so. In other words, we, you know, like I worked on this, then I worked on that. Da-da-da, da-da. I think that night, probably the whole thing. If we were just, you know, pull out. You know what I'm saying? If somebody's a singer and, uh, they have laryngitis, all of a sudden they don't, they, they don't seem so, uh, fancy schmancy or whatever. I feel like if we really saw ourselves with minus all the brachas that Hashem is pumping into us, we wouldn't be what we are today. And we wouldn't have the kinds of talents, abilities, power. An example is Schlichter. A 19 year old kid goes to Hudson Cup. Right? And he's busy. And he, anyway, his wife is busy having her first baby. And they go to, and they, they, they do miracles. I don't know. I went to school with the kid. Wait, what? Didn't the kid live next door? Yeah, they lived next door. Well, was a kid. Yeah, he was an energetic kid. I didn't think he was going to turn over the whole, uh, the whole Australia or the whole Brazil. I didn't think the kid was going to turn over the whole, good kid, nice kid. Buy will you know, have a few chevre, teach a few people. What, you know, you have a nice girl, what do you think she's gonna do? She's gonna, you know, get a group and teach a few, a few of, you know, have a few of her, turn over the whole place, the whole, the whole country, and eventually the whole continent, and eventually the whole world, and now everything's global. Where did it come from? So that's, right, when Hashem is pumping us with these kaichas, so that kalipa also has the ability in a subtle way to get into us, and at some point, if I worked very, 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 very hard on, uh, Making my websites right, so I could think that. Well, how do you make websites? Oh, I worked on it so hard for so many years. Eh, that's gets done. It's from a bracha that because otherwise, you know, and everybody knows, there are days when you work on the same thing, it doesn't go it doesn't go whatsoever. You paint a painting, it doesn't work. You sing a song, you put it you give a share, it doesn't work. So. Um, Okay, so uh, I want to ju- I I to I jump to I want to jump to an important point. The point is the following: you see that darkness will mimic light very much. How do you know? What did what did Napoleon say? Which one? I don't know which order: liberté, fraternité, égalité. Right? Liberty, fraternity, and equality. Great. That's what Napoleon said. Sounds good, right? Anybody would be fooled by it. So why would the Alturevah fight him? What did the Alturevah bring into the world with Chabad Fasidus? Liberté, equalité, fraternity. He brought liberty, freedom, and equality. Where do you see liberty? Ben-Kharim. You become, if you're learning Pnevis the you really become a free person, Ben-Kharim. Who's a Ben-Kharim? Who's a free person? Somebody who learns fire. So the Alturevah gives us access to the deepest deeper access to this freedom, right? Equality. On the level of the Shama of Etham and Ephesh, everybody's the same. And fraternity, we finally, you know, we, we finally become one family, one Klaus Yisrael. We're no longer focusing on what's different between us, Lady Yisrael, Kayan, et cetera, but rather we're focusing on we are one piece. We're all one and we're one piece. So the Altarabbas is going for the same thing LaVille La it seems like as Napoleon. Same thing we said before. The, said, oh, yes, right, right, right. So 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 the Altrab is, is, is literally going for the same things and it seems like what we said before. We are in we are charged to conquer the world. Say, the world belongs to us, conquer the world belongs to us and conquer every corner of the world. That's saying Napoleon, he said, I want to conquer the world. That's why, oh, we didn't finish with the story, but that's why he went in, into Russia. If you conquer Russia, a giant chunk of the world belongs to you. So what's wrong? Because we said, he, we conquer it for Hashem, he conquers it against Hashem. Very simple. The al Rebbe brings into the world, for the first time, liberty, equality, and fraternity in a way for Hashem. There was never such a thing. Be, because the Alter Rebbe brought this in, in, into the world, for some reason I'm teaching the Sikha today. Sure. Well, no, but what's weird about it is, you know, look who's teaching. But but somehow, but somehow, you know, whatever it is, somehow it's ridiculous. But 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 somehow I don't know. Today I got the job of teaching. But in other words, you know, you get language skills, you learn like that's that's this you're not supposed to be able to catch up. If you didn't start off this way for your first twenty five years, you don't catch up. You don't catch up. But this thing of liberty, fraternity and equality somehow you see sometimes you meet somebody and say they say, Oh, a Chabad you know, they say, We're Chabad. How long are you keeping this? I just started on Friday. <laughs> but absolutely, you know that there are people there are people who Somebody told me years ago, my roommate, she said, I walked into a Chabad house on Yom Kippur. I knew nothing. say Yom Kippur, I said, this is it. So I moved in. I took all my stuff from the other place. And that's it. And within a week, you know, I was out there doing the sayim and tele-teaching everybody. And how is that possible? It's, it's crazy. Because once the altar ever introduced liberty, equality, and fraternity, then the whole system changes. Again, you have to stay very focused on this is all about Hashem. <laughs> so, um, so therefore, two things. It became crucial that the Alter Rebbe, or, that Hashem should win, and the Alter Rebbe said, "I'm doing what Hashem told me, trying to defeat Napoleon." And the other, and Napoleon said, "I'm doing what Hashem didn't tell me because I don't listen to him, trying to defeat Hashem. Who's Hashem? There is no Hashem. It's me. So, who was going to win?" And, you know, there's a whole story about who blew, blew Scheifer. So, Baruch Hashem, Hashem won. And Napoleon was defeated. And, of course, the way he was defeated was through many brachas from above. As the French army was going into Russia, um, all the people were told, leave your homes, leave your fields. There was no food. There was no place for the, the French army to stay. So, they were dying. By the time they got to, I guess, Moscow, and, of course, when they came to, they knew to go to, where was the al then? Liadi. Yeah, they knew to go straight. Napoleon knew one thing: my enemy, my adversary, is Lial of He knew. He knew that. He could sense it. Whether he knew it consciously or not, he sensed. If if he's here, I can't succeed. He knew that. And he probably say that he had a webbed hand. He was a up. Who knows? Whatever. But you know that's why he always had his hand in his in his coat. So maybe he was holding on to his English Dictionary, so if he had to, you know, I don't know. (laughs) But he always had his hand in his coat. And we know he went he went into Liadi and he tried to find something of the Altareva and he couldn't, etc. He knew he had to get needs to get his hands on Kaddusha. Bottom line, when the French army finally came back out of, when they were on their way out of Russia, there was almost no one left. They had been totally defeated. That was it. That was the end. But the, and the altar Abba had to throw his life into the battle to win. Because the altar Abba, in throwing his life into the pat, battle was nostalgic in, in the village of Piena, Haftal the So it was an intense battle. Literally, you could see the altar Abba put his life into this battle to win. Because if we don't win, well, what happens to Geula? I don't know. But what happens to us? Also, if the dream of Gaula fizzles out, God forbid, so so do we. Game over. Right? It's game over. We're not we're here because the author have threw his life into the battle. Plus plus in many, many ways. And he, he made sure to do what needed to be done to defeat Napoleon. So um and by the way, one other thing that um and he promised the Altarevah promised his son, the Midlarevah, with a shrua that Russia will win the war. Again, they weren't big tzaddikim, but they were the better of the two. They still stood for, they they, still, they didn't want to destroy us spiritually. Russia just didn't like us, but they didn't want to destroy us spiritually. They weren't out to cut us off from our Father in Heaven, God forbid. But the Altarevah told his son, the Midlarevah, Russia will win. Napoleon will, France will lose, and that's the way it was. It was not easy, because it's not like, you know, wow, we have light and glory, we have spiritual light and glory. We were very poor, and it didn't get any easier. It didn't get any easier. It was a time of extreme mysterious nefesh. You're talking about 1803, I think, when, when Napoleon came into power. It was a time of extreme mysterious nefesh. Why are we sitting here now learning this sirah about them? They were mazir The Yidin really had total material nefesh. They weren't asked really, they weren't given a choice. You can imagine for the Al Rebbe to to them that the Yidin will go through that in order to stay connected to Hashem. That's the kind of pain and suffering that our ancestors went through. Right, right. In order that we should be sitting here now and learning learning about the same story about them, you know, drinking a little tea, if my tea gets cold, take a little more tea, you know, very comfortably. So here's the point that's brought. The Rebbe says, so now we understand the Chiddush in in the world today. The Chiddush is this this um, country of France that embodies this strong evil power, this Klippa. It turns from one degree to... From Complete from one extreme to the other. So it was a place. Just think, you know, did we say yesterday, you have teenagers and you say, you have to take vitamins. They say, I don't want to hear. Leave me alone. That's stage one. Then finally you talk to them and they say, all right, maybe. Maybe I'll, I won't stop you from talking about vitamins. I don't want to take them. And then it goes a little further and they say, well, maybe I would consider taking some vitamins. I'm taking something part. And eventually... They come to you and say, you know, I discovered this amazing thing. It's called vitamins. Wow, it changes your health. Huh. The Macabul, the one who refused to even receive this, decided he's going to now prove it to everybody else. So what does that mean? France was a desert. It was such a spiritually dark place. No one could do anything with it. Even the Altareva had to kind of run. He couldn't confront um, Napoleon head on and just defeat him, like we do today, he had to run. So strong was the Klippa, and yet it was turned around over the generations with such force that today the place that could not have one word of Tyra there, same thing as it happened in Russia, could not have one word of Tyra now, is the place that China light to the, right? Tomekhetinim in Vrnoa. Right. The Rebbe took France and said, Okay, let's make it into one big yeshiva tumpits me Right? And all the best Hasidim came out came out of France, right? That's the truth. I don't know about the men I and mean, we don't know. But all the best femomashtium came out of France. Isn't that true? I mean whom I ask you, I can't ask you. We think so. We think so. They what? Okay. Right, they thrift, right. So we 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 think all the best mushrooms came out of France. Yeah. Right, I know. Right, exactly. So what that is, right? So every, I know. So here here's a mini France right here. Right. le wa mashiach. <laughs> How do you say forever? How do you say no? How do you say the Vive I like mashiach à l'éternité, Right. Right? That's the way it goes. So this whole idea, let's just see how, how it's brought out here. This whole idea is the transformation of a place. Just picture this on a personal level. Think of something in your life that you say, forget it. There's no way to send any positive message there. They don't want to hear. I don't want to hear. It doesn't want to hear. It's not. It's resistance. You ever meet people who are resistance? Never. You ever meet people who are resistant? You ever meet a resistant part of yourself? You ever meet a part of the world that's resistant? And say, don't bring your messages over here. This is not a place for that. You can go on a Mithsayim and they say, this is, go, go to Brooklyn. This, nobody wants Shabbos candles here. Go to Brooklyn. Right? So, so I mean, everybody has those, those stories. And essentially what was created was a situation in which anything that you see that today that resists truth is in the process of stopping to resist starting to take in truth and then starting to promote truth on its own become the biggest the biggest of truth so okay so to end off when we talk about when we we talked before about becoming an influencer that wherever we go we the jewish people are sent to influence, to create an environment, to be an influencer. You know, like, hi, what do you do? I'm a social media influencer, that thing. You know, they're all, everybody today is an influencer. But we are the real influencers wherever we go. Right. Right. Wherever we go, we create an environment. So here, this is the last part of the idea. We take this from the whole French Revolution. Why? What? France is the the epitome of me going. France is the epitome of being Example of me going from someone, I don't mean me, us going from, or from being in a position where we can't even hear Kadusha, or going to places, going to places, you're traveling along the highway, you come to a place, you know, uh, whatever, uh, a game store, you know, and that place is a place that does not accept holiness. One sec, one sec, one sec. So we we talk about everywhere we go now, we're sent to the toughest places. We're not sent to easy places. We're sent to all these places that don't, they say, no holiness allowed here. They learned it from the Romans. They learned it from the Greeks. They learned it, etc. No holiness allowed here. And what? And and now the situation is, we want, but the Tumma is not real Tumma anymore. Because everything that you see is no longer static. When you see darkness, it looks like, well, I don't know what we could do to get rid of it. But really what we're being told by this whole idea in Nubby, about France is that if you see darkness, it's, it looks like darkness. It's darkness that's turning into the light of Mashiach. It looks like plain darkness, like the old one. But what it really is, is, is the light of Mashiach emerging. Sure, it looks like darkness. So the same thing with any personal darkness or anything we do, today everything in the world is ready. So we always give a to the and the right, right, right. And take a room that's dark and take And to end off, there is a famous story of the French National Anthem, was it was it the Marseille, what, The French National Anthem, is that it? Or it's Napoleon's march, which one? That it, it was, I guess the French National Anthem. Um, and at some point, the thing about the, the song is that the song of a country really um, embodies in it the, the spiritual energy of that country. But the spiritual energy of France was very evil. And one day, when was it, in the 70s, in the Lama, the 70s, the government, without anybody sort of really realizing, they changed the song. They changed just a couple of stanzas. They changed a couple of notes. But they changed it. They had some reason that they made. They said I don't know. they didn't really understand probably why they changed the song. They changed the song, and it's kind of like the story of um, uh, I think the Balshemtov went to a um, the Balshemtov went to a peasant and heard him sing the song and said, "Here's a coin, sing it again. Here's another coin, sing it again. Here's another coin, sing it again." And eventually, after singing it a number of times, the peasant said, "I don't remember the song." The Balshemtov had Bought it into kedusha, had taken it into kedusha away from darkness, and it no longer belonged to darkness. So once France was transformed by, as the Rebbe said, the Rebbe and the Rebbe lived, Rebbe and the Rebidson lived in France, and they did tremendous davita. And then by by divine providence, m- m- most of the Hasidim, when they left Russia, went through France. I guess to, you know, like bees do, you know, they have sticky feet, you know, went to like just, you know, you cough up all the Kedusha from Russia and it spreads, it spreads like a virus all over France and it transformed France. The Rebbe doesn't say we sent Chassidim there, but basically Chassidim were sent to France to just, you know, breathe in in Russia, breathe in all the Kedusha that, you know, from all the generations, from Masantari breathe in all the Kedusha. Hold your breath. Okay, wait till we get to France. Breathe out. <laughs> Breathe out. It was a long. It was a long journey. Breathe out, and everybody breathes out all the kedusha from Russia into France. What do you think's going to happen to France? It will no longer belong to darkness. It just will feel very uncomfortable. The darkness will say, "I don't know." Everybody's breathing out holiness. Like uh, I don't fit. I don't. I don't fit here. And it became a place of kedusha through all of, all of that happening. So um, that, oh, so the, the song of the country no longer seemed appropriate. So somehow the government felt instinctively we have to change the song. Because it was, and then, and that's why I heard whenever, whatever year it was in the 70s, when it was Simcha's Taira, and the Rebbe began to sing Haderas Ramuna to the tune of La Marseille. Yeah? French, I heard, I wasn't here in those years, French Hasidim went Wild. They couldn't believe what they were, you know, people came from France and those days people would, I heard, they would stop people on the street in the time in France and they would say, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing this Shabbos? What are you doing this week? And they said, That rien, non. And they are not doing anything. They said, come, we have a charter plane. Come to, come to New York. They would bring everybody to 770. They have a, would have an experience as a for bringing them here. They'd go back home. They'd be totally different people. It was like, <laughs> you know, they, they'd be totally different people. And then they went back and, and the country is just changing at lightning speed. So this song no longer, oh, so when French, when maybe they weren't even from yet, these people were in 770 and they hear the Rebbe singing their tune from France with the words, they, they, they didn't know what hit them. They, 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 they it was like, they couldn't believe it. And what they were witnessing was, as the Rebbe said, Khasidim sang the tune. <laughs> really? The Rebbe sang the tune. Khasidim sang the tune. What they were witnessing was the external view of the fact that the darkest place in the world had been transformed. The place that stood for My Kha, my talents gave me everything that I have. Such a Kleepah. It crumbled in front of their eyes as they heard that song being sung to the words of Adarat Amuna. So, and that's where we stand today. But even way into the into the battle, so and we sing it at the end of of uh, Yom Kippur. So may we find every single piece of darkness crumbling, you know, like old elastic. You ever, you know, have any garments like from many few decades ago, and then the elastic just falls apart in your hands because it crumbles. So <laughs> it would be a certain thing to have those things. So we want to see that every single bit of darkness is crumbling like old elastic bands in our hands and that everything we touch turns to gold, the true gold of, you know, of the Malkus of Hashem, the HaTel Hashem Melucha. We should find ourselves in the Gula mitzvah and the Beis HaMidda Shashlishi with the whole world saying Hashem Echad Ushma Echad.